We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. In a crash, there's no time to check if your child's in the right car seat. Don't think you know. Know you know. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Sports Radio 550 WGR Buffalo and WKSE HD2 Niagara Falls Buffalo 98.5 FM An Odyssey Station Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550 And we are back on another edition of Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary once again. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in as we're getting you ready for the Bills and the Steelers coming up tomorrow from Highmark Stadium to kick off the 2021 regular season as the Bills will host the Steelers. Our coverage here on WGR will begin at 7 a.m. tomorrow with kickoff with John Murphy, Eric Wood, and Sal Capaccio starting at 1 o'clock. Really happy to be joined right now on the Western Hotline by the newest Bills beat reporter for ESPN's NFL Nation, Elena Getzenberg, joins us right now on the Western Hotline here on WGR. Elena, first off, welcome to Buffalo. Thanks again for taking the time on this Saturday to join us. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me and for the welcome. Um, I'm doing well. I've, I've been in Buffalo for six days now, so getting adjusted and really excited to be here and ready for tomorrow for sure. Well, if there's one thing, Elena, that that holds firm and true to this day, and, and you're just another example of it, that Carolina-Buffalo connection lives strong here. And how does it feel to be part of that? Yeah, it was interesting. You know, when I first heard about the job, that was one of the first things that came to my mind is there's about five or at least five guys on this roster I already know. So it's very interesting and happy to keep the tradition alive, I guess. So you've been in Buffalo for six days. What have you gotten to know about the city? And what are some of the things that maybe you've gotten the chance to do to get yourself acclimated to Western New York? I'll be honest, not a lot yet. A lot of time in Orchard Park already. Um, been at practice this week. But one thing that's definitely stood out is the fans are great. I, I couldn't have imagined a better welcome. Um, everyone's been so nice. And I've already had some wings. I welcome all recommendations. Please send them my way. I love wings and I'm ready to try all. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely give you my recommendation uh, off the air. But certainly there's a lot to, to cover here in Western New York. That's not just with the Bills. You know, there's Niagara Falls. There's the South Towns. There's just the city itself. There's so much that, that you'll get to know, Elena. And, I, and I'm sure that uh, you'll, you'll fall in love just as much as many people that have come from outside of the city and have, have called Buffalo home. I'm sure that you'll, you'll fall in love with that as well. Yeah, I'm pumped. I, I'm from Pittsburgh originally, so I get the, 
you know, this semester. I know it's a little different, but I'm pumped to be in this area and ready to explore. Very good. Well, again, welcome into Buffalo, and, and, and thanks again for joining us today. So, uh, with you being from Pittsburgh, the, the Steelers are coming to town for week one against the Bills. Um, kind of the theme that we're looking at already heading into tomorrow's matchup is just some of the bigger matchups that we're looking at going into this into this game. What's the biggest matchup that you're watching heading into tomorrow's contest between the Bills and the Steelers? Yeah, there's a lot. Um, I think it's going to be, a, I mean, I think everyone knows this is really going to be an interesting game. I think what I'm most going to be watching, um, you know, I came from covering the Panthers where the offensive line is a major issue. And so coming here, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this game's offensive line performs against the Steelers' defensive line. Obviously, they don't have Bud Dupree anymore. They did just they up T.J. Watt. <laughs> but I think, you know, one of the positions that the Bills seem to be still figuring out is that those two guard spots. And I think that's going to be interesting to see how they hold up in this first game against a pretty good Steelers defensive line. And, you know, we want to, everyone wants to see Josh Allen throw the ball a lot, but the offensive line has to hold firm. So I think that's what I'm going to be watching tomorrow. What, what, is, what stands out to you about this Bills offense heading into another year with Josh Allen under center and, and after he gets this big contract extension and, and the weapons that he has around him heading into another year? I mean, it's almost – some would say it's an upgrade where instead of, you, you know, you let go of John Brown, but you bring in a, a veteran, a seasoned veteran like Emmanuel Sanders into the picture who uh, at, one, at many points in his career has been looked at arguably as the number one wide receiver for a team. What stands out most to you, though, about this offense going into another year yeah I think that it's the potential right like this can be they can be so good they were very good last year obviously and there's every reason to believe they can be even better this year so I think it does come down to like we know you know Josh Allen should be primed for another big year the wide receivers have our great group and then I do think the questions come down to the offensive line and making sure that running back situation is right. It's very interesting coming here from covering Christian McCaffrey and, you know, seeing it a little bit by committee here. So it's, I think that's where the question marks fall. But other than that, there's no reason to believe why this offense shouldn't improve um, with just another year in the same system. And, it, I mean, it should be a big year for Josh I think everyone knows that. I think that's what's exciting. There's big question marks that just need to be ironed out. And I think we'll get a sense of that in the first few games. Elena Getzenberg, new uh, ESPN NFL Nation Bills beat reporter, joining us right now on the West Her Hotline here on WGR. Uh, looking ahead to the uh, to the defense here, uh, last year with the defense, you know, Star Latulale wasn't in the picture. He's not going to be in the picture this upcoming week as he's dealing with a calf injury. But certainly the defense got off to a slower start last year for the Bills and heading into uh, this upcoming season, it seems like uh, a large amount of the group is back in the picture and and it's very reminiscent almost of of the Buccaneers situation where yes the Buccaneers got all 22 starters from that Super Bowl back into the fold for this upcoming season but the Bills still have a lot of the same players from last year coming back into the fold this year just how much better do you think this Bills defense is going to look uh compared to last year yeah they really brought up those Bucks starters a lot during that Thursday night game right like <laughs> I felt like they were hitting yeah. us over the head with it they brought those guys back um yeah, I mean, I think, again, whenever you have consistency, that's what, when I'm, I'm learning this team still, I'm getting, you know, acclimated to covering this group. The consistency is, I mean, absolutely so important. I think 
when you have consistency, you're able to just improve and build upon it. And we've seen that from the Bills in the last few years. And I think we're going to see that again this year. This defense should be good. <laughs> There's not a lot of reason to believe they won't be. It's a very similar group, like you said, to last year. Um, and I think there's you know, much to be excited about. I mean, this defensive line, is like, <laughs> the depth they also have, I think, is very impressive, and that's something that has stood out to me. So, again, an, a step forward seems natural, and anytime you can bring back the number of players they are, as we heard on Thursday night, it's good, and it can help. And, you know, this should be a good group this year. Who is there anybody in this in this overall group, not just defense, but also with the offense that that you're looking at this year as maybe breaking out uh, as as a guy that kind of establishes himself as as a future key piece to this this roster going forward, not just this upcoming year, but for the long term here in Buffalo. You know, someone who I was curious to hear his name come up this week was Ed Oliver. Um, I think you know, with all of the additions to the defense, his name maybe on a national stage hasn't been brought up as much. And Leslie Frazier brought him up this week as someone he thinks is going to get a lot of attention from the league this year. And, you know, I think he'll have that opportunity. And he's someone who, you know, there's been some off-field, on-the-field stuff. And I think if he can really take that step forward, that would be huge for this season. So his name coming up, I think he's someone I'm going to be keeping an eye on. You know, there's all those pass rushers, but he's important too. It's going to be interesting to see what his role is this year. Elena, looking at this Bills team heading into this upcoming season, you know, the AFC, a little bit of everyone in the AFC got a little bit better going into this season, especially in the AFC East with the Jets drafting Zach Wilson and hiring Robert Salah as their head coach. The Patriots um, drafting Mac Jones and having him now as their starting quarterback heading into the 2021 season. And even the Dolphins with uh, year two under Tua Tagovailoa and also, uh, you know, another year under Brian Flores. How do you think the AFC East plays out this year, and and do you still see the Bills as that number one team uh, favored to win the division? Yes, <laughs> I don't see. I don't even have much doubt with that. Like I think the Patriots and the Dolphins can make it interesting. The Jets are obviously still a project, still trying to rebuild yet again. Um, I think they'll make it interesting, but to me, the Patriots and the Dolphins are in a position where they're close to what the Bills can do. So I think they'll keep it all interesting for a bit, but. I think the Bills just are on another level right now. And, you know, it's for the, you know, last year kind of similar, but it's their division. And if things go, unless something goes really off track, there's not a lot of reason, I think, to believe it's not their division to win pretty easily. So how do you think the Bills then match up with the rest of the AFC? Are they still slotted in behind Kansas City, in your opinion, in terms of uh, AFC teams potentially going to play in Inglewood this upcoming February for the Super Bowl? Or do you think that uh, do you think that the Bills can leapfrog Kansas City this year and, and get themselves in position to, to play for a, uh, their first championship? I think they can. <laughs> I think it's hard to say, you know, that the Bills are ahead of the Chiefs right now until they have to beat them, right? Like, you have to get a win to get ahead of, you know, Kansas City's been an issue for this Bills team. And I think in order to say they're a step ahead of them, they have to get a win, get a W. I think that's possible. Um, you know, they certainly tried to address the issues from last year. But for now, I think Kansas City remains the number one because they've been in the Super Bowl the last two years. But, they're, you know, the Bills are going to get an opportunity here pretty soon to make sure that they're ahead of them.
So we talked with Matt Perino last uh, last hour in the 1130 segment here uh, on WGR Lane, and, and he said that he talked with you and, and kind of just helped give you some advice as to, you know, kind of your game day routine heading to the stadium uh, and, and taking in everything pregame-wise. Um, what, what are some of the best things that you've heard about uh, the experience of, you know, whether it is the game day experience or Bill's Mafia? What are some of the, the best things that you've either heard of or even encountered in your brief time Buffalo? so far yeah i should say in addition to the lovely bills fans the bills media has been <laughs> very welcoming including that um i mean i'm honestly what I, i'm looking for i'm planning on getting there very early tomorrow and kind of just walking around and meeting everyone that's what i'm most excited about this will be my first Bills game ever um, so i'm excited to kind of take it in i've heard so much about it kind of meet some people that's what I'm looking forward to. So feel free to reach out to me on Twitter if there's somewhere I should come by. I'm just excited to get the full experience. And it's, I mean, for everyone, it's going to be so nice to have a full stadium and a little bit of normalcy. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be really nice just not only for, for – Buffalo to be able to have the normalcy with tailgating and with fans back in the stadium and and just the electric atmosphere. Just this upcoming season is going to feel uh, is going to feel like a, a sense of normalcy is back with fans being back and and just everything for that matter. But it's also nice because you get an extra regular season game onto the schedule with the seventeen game season. Um, just just how do you think kind of things play out overall in the season as a whole and um, you know how things match up for the Bills and how everything looks in the AFC. Just just what are your thoughts generally with this upcoming 2021 season? It's going to be a long season. <laughs> That's my first thought. We're going to be going for a while here. <laughs> um, it's going to be a haul. You know, one thing I think is important to keep in mind with the 17 games, injuries and health are going to be like, you know, there's going to be more injuries. There's going to be you know, more stuff like that because there's more games. And I think depth is going to be super important because of that. But, you know, I think this season, is, you know, the Super Bowl hype is there for a reason. I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about this team. Um, I think it should <laughs> pretty well. And I think, you know, they'll probably get maybe a couple extra games here in Buffalo. We'll see. But, you know, I think it'd be interesting. That Kansas City game, it's coming up actually pretty quickly. And, you know, it's really early in the season. I think it's going to be big, and we'll kind of we'll see how things go from there. But I think things are set up pretty nicely. But uh, 17 games is a lot. So everyone's overreaction, but I think we'll see a little bit more of because of that number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be definitely a change. It was even a change for me with having the normal, I know last year, we'll throw last year out the window just because last year was just a very unique season as it was with COVID, but that, dating back to 2019, you know, you get that last preseason game in, and then the very next day is roster cuts, and it's just like, boom, we're off into the NFL season, there's a game next Sunday, we're ready to go, and this year, there's a, an extra bye week that teams didn't necessarily play. They and Really, the Bills only got on the practice field, what, a couple of times during that time? And, and all the other teams only got on the practice field a couple of times. So already, it's already kind of a changing landscape with this extra game. But, but I'm up for it because I think one extra NFL regular season game is going to make things a, a, a really interesting in terms of the playoff pictures, especially once we get into November and December. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, a team like the Bills, who we think is going to be in it and very competitive, will be able to lock things up sooner, or if it's going to make kind of things stretch out more. I think that'll be interesting to see, because if they can create a distance, then there could be 
some games where that really don't matter at the end, or it could go down to all 17. I think it'll be interesting to see this year how that all plays out with everyone playing an extra game for the first time. Elena Getzenberg, the new Bills beat reporter for ESPN's NFL Nation, joining us right now on the Western Hotline here on WGR. Well, Elena, I did want to get the chance to ask you a little bit about the Panthers because the Panthers in particular for me this year, and we talked to Sal Capaccio earlier, and, and he's a team that's very intrigued by this Panthers team going forward too. Last year uh, was was a year that you know you didn't have Christian McCaffrey back for most of the season. Now you're going to get him back, and you know the team's looking relatively healthy. And you've got a new quarterback in the picture in Sam Darnold as well, taking over for Teddy Bridgewater, who's now in Denver. Um, I at least believe that this Panthers team is going to be a, a very, um, you know, they're, they're a team that's not going to be talked about very much as a team that could potentially contend. But I feel like that they could be a very sneaky good team going into this 2021 season. What, what in your mind have they done really well this offseason to put themselves in that position to potentially be a that sneaky good candidate to contend for a playoff spot in the NFC? Yeah, I mean, I think what the Panthers have done well is they're building their defense in the right way. Um, I Everything's been a kind of a reconstruction project of, you know, guys who are here like Mario Addison, you know, left um, after the 2019 season. So right now they kind of had to draft and free agents and really reconstruct that defense. And it, they should have a good defense this year. It should be pretty solid. Their defensive line is probably their strongest area. Um, but I have questions. I mean, who knows me the question is? I think he could be good. I think this offense could help him. I think he could take a step in the right direction. He certainly has plenty of weapons like Christian McCaffrey. But we have yet to see Sam Darnold, you know, successfully run an offense. Yeah, successfully run an offense pretty much. And I think, you know, there's a lot of reasons, you know, fingers to point with the Jets, but he also, you know, didn't play very well, especially last year. So to me, that's the question mark with the Panthers. Their defense is absolutely, like I said, the strength right now, mm-hmm. and they have some good guys like Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Dan Arnold, who they are very excited about at tight end. But like I mentioned earlier, that offensive line is not good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be a big issue for Sam Darnold. So the defense can move in the right direction, but before I think they're going to be like keep themselves in it for an extended amount of time, I have to see more from Sam Darnold and that he can do it, that he can make that improvement. What can Joe Brady do for a guy like Sam Darnold, who in his first three years in New York, it was um, not exactly the greatest uh, output, and and not only that, but he didn't exactly have the the coaching and and leadership that could help him grow and progress as a young quarterback in this league. How, what do you think? What do you think Joe Brady can do to help Darnold turn turn the course for him and get him back into that? echelons where uh, you know he's an up-and-coming guy in the NFL and, and can be seen as uh, a, a quarterback that can lead a team to the promised land or at least lead them into being a, a legitimate contender year in and year out yeah that's a great question I mean I think what they're trying what they're trying to do is help him like make smart decisions if that makes sense so you're gonna see when, if you watch the Panthers this year Christian McCaffrey's going to get the ball dumped off to him often. Um, mm-hmm. They want Sam Darnold to take advantage of having someone like McCaffrey, you know, having guys like Bobby Anderson who are easy to find downfield, just help him make the smart decisions because turning the ball over is 
one of his biggest, I mean, you look at him and interceptions and fumbles have been an issue. So they want him to make smart decisions. If Christian's there and he can jump off the ball and get four yards, they want him to do that. They're trying to help him develop in that way. Um, But again, like I said, they can help him try to develop that way. But if he's getting pressure consistently, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the same issues crop up. But the goal, you know, it's the, the Drew Brady offense looks a lot like what the New Orleans Saints run. Um, what we saw Drew Brees do with a lot of checkdowns, a lot of, you know, the field trying to find your tight end, um, that sort of thing. And I, I think they're building the offense to make Sam Darnold more comfortable, but it still comes down to that offensive line playing well. Well, Elena, uh, where, get a plug-in for where we can find you on Twitter and just some of the work that you're going to be doing coming up here with uh, ESPN and covering the Bills. Yeah, so I'm just getting started. Like I said, this is my first week um, covering the team for ESPN. So I'm on Twitter at a Gethenberg, G-E-T-Z-E-N-B-E-R-G. Um, and we'll have more stories coming out. This is my first game, like I said, and I'm just excited to get started. Please reach out. I'm, I'm so excited to meet everyone, and thank you so much for the warm welcome. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 best of luck with, with the new gig here in Buffalo, and welcome to Buffalo first off, and, and we'll, I'm sure, talk again sometime down the road. Thanks again for taking the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Elena Getzenberg joining us on the Western Hotline, the newest Bills beat reporter for ESPN's NFL Nation, joining us here. And again, go follow her on Twitter. Uh, give her your warm welcomes to Buffalo. And um, yeah, plenty more to come from Elena, plenty more that we're going to hear from her. And also, as she said earlier in our interview, um, feel free to shoot her any of your uh, recommendations for places to go in Western New York for uh, chicken wings or just anywhere to go and sightsee in the area because there's just so much to do in Western New York. And I don't think a lot of people realize just how much there really is to explore and to uh, to conquer here uh, in your time at Western New York. So please feel free to reach out to her. Give her a follow on Twitter. And yeah, that's that. Elena Getzberg on the Western Hotline. Corey will have that interview up, by the way, on demand here very shortly over at WGR550.com. Still have a few more minutes left in this segment here on WGR. And um, again, one of the prevailing thought, or uh, questions that we've been asking today uh, with all of our guests, really, is just kind of like, what's, what's the main thing? you're watching for the the biggest headline in this game coming up tomorrow between the Bills and the Steelers in Buffalo in Orchard Park. One o'clock kickoff here on WGR. And, And the one thing that I'm really intrigued about is just how this Bills defense is going to react to Matt Canada now uh as the offensive coordinator and just how much that he's going to try and change things up heading into this matchup with the Bills just because last year the Steelers offense was very much a dink and dunk offense, a very pass heavy offense. And I don't think that's necessarily what they wanted to do, but they had to play to their strengths and, and, and kind of hide the weaknesses of their game. And I think a big weakness of the Steelers game was their run was the rushing attack. And, you know, they addressed that this off season by drafting Najee Harris in the first round, 24th overall in the draft, because I mean, the Steelers last year were just abysmal as a running attack. They I mean they were they were averaging just 84 yards per game which was I mean by far the lowest uh rushing rate in the NFL for a for a rushing unit uh 
on a per-game basis. Just a, a terrible rushing game. Najee Harris should help a little bit to, to kind of help that out and also um, take so much pressure maybe off of uh, Ben Roethlisberger having to throw a ton. And, and we saw Ben Roethlisberger throw a lot last year. And Ben Roethlisberger only averaged about 6.3 yards per pass attempt, which was one of the worst uh, pass per yard uh, or pass or yards per pass attempts uh, stats in the entire league. So I think this year, my biggest, or at least in this game, my biggest headline and, and biggest thing that I'm going to be watching for is just how this Bills defense goes out and tries to attack the Steelers offense and try and put pressure on Ben Roethlisberger and uh, put pressure on that entire unit to to try and beat them. And, you know, Last year we saw the, the the Bills offense struggle a little bit against this the Steelers defense and the Steelers defense has been tout for years. They've been very good, they've been very reliable and you know, it'll be interesting to see just how this offense for Buffalo uh attacks the defense this time around and and seeing if that if the Bills passing attack can really uh take advantage of the Steelers secondary and the Steelers secondary is still pretty darn good. You still got Minka Fitzpatrick in there who Josh Allen earlier this week said, you know, He's a guy that could completely flip, uh, take over a game plan and completely wreck it. Whereas, you know, I think it was Sean McDermott who said that uh, T.J. Watt is a guy who could wreck your game plan uh, as a guy that could get to the quarterback. And T.J. Watt last year led the league with 15 sacks. So my biggest headline, though, is is really going to see how the Bills' defense adjusts to a new offensive coordinator that they've really never seen other than in preseason tape. And even then, what what is preseason tape going to tell you about Matt Canada's offense and, and, and just how different the unit is going to look a little bit uh, going into this upcoming game tomorrow. And again, we'll have coverage here on WGR beginning at 7 a.m. with Breakfast with the Bills Fantasy Style, and we'll lead you all the way up until the 1 o'clock kickoff on the Buffalo Bills Radio Network and right here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Coming up next here on WGR Sports Talk Saturday, we'll talk with Matthew Beauvais from WKBW-TV here in Buffalo. He's out on the golf course right now. I'm, I'm thinking he's out on the golf course. I mean, why wouldn't you take advantage of it? It's a beautiful, beautiful day here in Buffalo. Uh, tomorrow, hopefully the rain showers will hold off and we'll have a really nice, beautiful game uh, in Orchard Park. And also coming up, there's more beautiful weather coming up. I mean, it is the elite season. It is fall. Um, I, I take fall as, you know, post-Labor Day. Uh, none of that September 21st crap or whatever it is that, that the calendar fall term is. Um, it is elite season, but it is going to be still a little warm here coming up. So um, we'll talk with Matt coming up here as he's out on the golf course. And uh, again, still to come, Andy Lindbergh from 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh on the Steelers. And then also Nate's going to join us at 1.30 to uh, get the latest on what's going on with his thoughts on the Bills leading into tomorrow's matchup. That's all still coming up here on Sports Talk Saturday right here on WGR. WGR Sports Radio 550 of WGR Sports Radio 550 again. Rewind up to 24 hours with Odyssey Rewind. Download the Odyssey app. Select WGR and go back in time. Driven by Northtown Automotive. Shop online at NorthtownAuto.com. Corey's hammering in these football bumps and they are just wonderful on a day like today. 
We are on uh, Bill's Massive, Bill's Opener Eve here on WGR Sports Radio 550. It's Sports Talk Saturday. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary this week once again. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in as we're uh, continuing on with our list of guests for today to talk some Bill's football, and we continue on right now with uh, Matthew Beauvais, or, or as he likes to be called, Adam Matt Beauvais. Uh, he's right now joining us from WKBW-TV in Buffalo on the Western Hotline. Uh, Matt, thanks again for taking the the time today are you indeed out on the golf course today you know what i was supposed to be but i decided i should probably take a day off i played yesterday i've got a bunch of things to do around the house today so i decided not to golf a real adult decision that i made here brayton but i'm just trying to be an adult because <laughs> i know i'm going to be pretty tied up tomorrow yeah yeah lots of adulting that needs to be done today on uh, everywhere around western new york because yeah so many people's attention are going to be tied to uh i mean in your case you're going to be at the stadium and it's going to be glued to the field whereas many other people are going to be glued to their televisions uh watching the bills take on the steelers tomorrow so uh first off thanks again for taking time today to join me um and sort of the headline or the thing that we're talking about today Today is sort of your main storyline or headline that you're watching heading into this game. What's the, the number one thing you're going to be watching for in the main matchup that you're watching heading into this matchup with the Bills and Steelers in Orchard Park? Well, I think more importantly than anything is just like making sure that the Bills leave tomorrow with a win because, you know, that's obviously what's most important. But I think like a positional matchup that I'm most interested in is the Bills pass rush versus the Steelers offensive line. I just think, obviously, there was so much emphasis to the Bills put on the pass rush this summer with Greg Rousseau, with continued development, A.J. Epinesa, with Boogie Basham, with keeping Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes. People thought they could potentially be cap casualties. It was a big point of emphasis for the Bills this year was beefing up the pass rush because last year that was an area where they struggled. And then as far as the Steelers are concerned, there are some questions on their offensive line. They're starting some inexperienced players. So that should be an area where the Bills can have some success. Now, that said, you do have to temper that a bit with Ben Roethlisberger gets the ball out of his hand faster than pretty much anybody in the NFL. You know, I feel like he led the NFL in that category last year with, like, pass attempts that, you know, were out of his hand within two seconds or less. So I think he's going to get pressured. That might not always lead to sacks, but the Bills' defensive line needs to be disruptive, and I think if they are, the Bills should be able to come out of tomorrow with a win. Yeah, that's one thing that I'm watching for, Matt. It's part of what I'm watching for tomorrow. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how this Bills defense adjusts to Matt Canada, who's the first-year offensive coordinator with the Steelers. We saw last year that the Steelers were obviously a, a, a very pass-heavy team with the, the rushing attack being uh, um, really non-existent for the Steelers' offense, uh, only averaging about 84 yards per game. But now they get Najee Harris in the picture. They have a new offensive coordinator. They're, they're changing things up a little bit, maybe trying to take some of the uh, pressure away from Ben Roethlisberger to throw the ball so much. And uh, and obviously this year might be the last ride for Ben Roethlisberger in a Steelers uniform because we don't know what his future holds in Pittsburgh. So um, just one of the things that I'm watching for is just how this defense adjusts to uh, potentially a, a bit of a new look offense for the Steelers going into this upcoming season. Their run defense, the Bills' run defense, is still an area where I'm, you know, a tad concerned just because last year, you know, that obviously was an area where they struggled. And mm-hmm. I think Najee Harris is going to be really, really good. That said, I kind of think the Bills' game plan is if you want the Steelers to run it on you 20, 25 times and you have an offense as explosive as the Bills, then they might stay fine. They might be like, okay, that's fine. If you want to chew up the clock that way and you want to play this game, like, we're going to score fast. So you can be on the field 
you know, twice as much as, you know, that we're going to be on the field, but we're going to score points and you're going to probably have to settle for field goals. It's kind of, you know, a strategy that they've had for a while now. So, you know, it might be frustrating for Bills fans tomorrow because you're going to see like, all right, six-yard gain from Najee Harris, five-yard gain from Najee Harris, and you're going to be like, oh, my goodness, like why can't they stop the run? And part of that might be by design. Of course, they obviously want to stop him as best they can, but I think they'd rather give up those small chunk plays than potentially get beat over the top on a big play from Chase Claypool or Deontay Johnson or, you know, something like that. So I do think it's going to be an adjustment. I think the run defense is going to be an area where we're, you know, it's something going to be something we talk about a lot this year. But I think with an improved pass rush, you can kind of get away with that because on the downs when the Steelers or when any team they're going to play are going to have to pass, I think the Bills are going to be able to get there quicker. And I think that's going to force more, you know, punts basically from the opposition. Matt Bovey from WKBW Channel 7 here in Buffalo joining us right now on the Western Hotline here on WGR. Again, Bills Steelers will kick off the 2021 regular season tomorrow here on WGR. Kickoff at 1. Our pregame coverage on WGR beginning at 7 a.m. Matt, one one of the things that we uh, we heard from Sean McDermott yesterday, uh, not only here on WGR, but also in his, uh, in his Friday press conference, was the cornerback battle, especially opposite Tredavious White between Dane Jackson and Lee. Levi Wallace. Once again, Levi Wallace comes through and prevails to win that CB2 battle for the Bills going into another season. Um, you know, it, was that his job uh, from the start or, or at least from the, over the past few weeks? Or do you still believe that the Bills are high on Dane Jackson and, and potentially see him more than just the seventh round pick from last year? Maybe see him as a bigger asset going forward, maybe with just a little bit more development? Let me say this. Shame on all of us because we were all talking about this as we were going into training camp, the whole quarterback two competition. <laughs> and once again, Levi Wallace was able to win it, and it wasn't even really particularly close. In this case, a couple years ago, it's what are the Bills going to do with quarterback two? Levi Wallace beats out Kevin Johnson. Then he beats out, you know, last year, uh, Josh Norman. And then this year, it's Dane Jackson. I think the area where they separated themselves was in the preseason because Dane Jackson – got you know targeted a bit in that first preseason game against Detroit and Levi Wallace made a couple big plays I think the tie was always going to go to Levi Wallace if it was close just because he is more experienced and I think they trust him just a little bit more than Dane Jackson is concerned right now right that does not mean that Dane Jackson is going to be you know not a contributor he's going to probably get called upon this year because the Bills don't have a ton of cornerback depth if anything happens to Levi Wallace or Tredavious White for that matter they're probably going to be lining up Dane Jackson I think they believe in him, but I think right now they trust Levi Wallace more, and that's why he ultimately won the job. And I think that's an area where the Bills could upgrade, but I also think Levi Wallace has done a commendable job these last couple of years. And I think when you're comparing him to Tredavious White, who's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, sure, there's going to be a gap, but there's going to be a gap between Tredavious White and 85-90% of the corners in the league. So I don't think that that's necessarily a knock on Levi Wallace. I think he's got the job locked down, and if he stays healthy, that's going to be his job basically all season. Uh, before we switch to the to the offensive position battle that, that Sean McDermott mentioned with us here on WGR yesterday, uh, Matt, I do want to get your thoughts on uh, again, the loss of Star Latulale, at least for this week. He's still dealing with a calf issue, but we saw how well the uh, you know the Bills defense, how well they played, especially later in the season, but right off the bat, they struggled without Star Latulale, and they, they eventually got their feet under them 
and performed better as the season went on. Is this pretty much just going to try to be an approach of just status quo from last year where they didn't have Star Latulale, or, or do you think that uh, the Bills will still feel that impact of not having him in the lineup, especially for for a game like this, uh, which is a high-caliber game against a, a good Steelers team still? I think they'll feel the impact more when teams are trying to rush the ball on them as mm-hmm. opposed to when they're trying to pass the ball on them. That's just my opinion. But I do think because of the added depth and the added rotational just capabilities that the Bills have on the defensive line, they might not feel his absence quite as much as they did last year. And I think going into last year, none of us really expected them to miss Latulale as much as they did. But obviously, you know, that came up to bite them, and it was an area where they struggled. So I think tomorrow it is going to be – Somewhat of status quo to what we saw last year, but I think on you know downs where it's obvious that the Steelers are going to need to pass, the Bills just have so many different options that they can throw at opposing teams that they might still be able to have success. And obviously, Latulale is there to kind of clog up the middle and to free up everybody else. I think if it hurts anybody the most, it might be Ed Oliver because he's going to probably get more attention on him now that he's not going to have Star Latulale next to him. But I think that with the nature of the injury, it doesn't seem like it's going to be something that extends long into the season, so he should be back you know, at some point in the near future. Matthew Bovey joining us right now on the Western Hotline from WKBW-TV right here in Buffalo, New York. Uh, uh, Matt, um, going to the offense now, uh, the other the other position battle that Sean McDermott mentioned yesterday right here on WGR with uh, Sal Capaccio and, and Jody Biasi uh, during the X-Point show was the guard battle, and uh, that's been a, a hot topic for the Bills from the start of training camp and dating back to earlier this offseason. What have you seen from that battle, and who do you think eventually is on that starting offensive line come tomorrow when the offense takes the field? I wouldn't be shocked if they tried to work in some sort of rotation because Sean McDermott has done that in the past. Mm-hmm. However, I am thinking that the majority of the reps are going to go to Darrell Williams, Deion Dawkins, Mitch Morris, those three are pretty much locked in. And then at guard, you're going to probably see some combination, I think most often, of Feliciano and Cody Ford. Mm -hmm. That said, they do value the play of Ike Butker. He's versatile. He can do a little bit of everything. So right now, I think their best five, that includes Ford and Feliciano. But Ford has been inconsistent when he's played. So they're going to need to see what they have in Butcher if there's a couple of drives where maybe Ford is getting beat or where they're getting abused. But I think the interior of the offensive line could be a sneaky issue for the Bills this year. I don't think it's going to be a massive issue. We're really being nitpicky here because us saying it's an issue is a lot different than an issue the Bills had like five years ago. It might be an area where every once in a while they get exposed. I don't think it's going to be something that holds them back from ultimately being one of the best teams in the NFL. But it's going to be something that maybe isn't as up to par as people are expecting. So I think right now I'd give the edge to Feliciano and Ford, and I'd bet they play most of the game tomorrow. That said, don't be surprised if Butker is in because I do think that they value him, especially in certain situations. A couple more questions I I got here for you, Matt. First off, um, is there anybody on this roster overall that you see – really taking the reins as becoming one of these really impact players, not only just this upcoming season, but for for the long-term future of the Bills. Is there anybody that stands out to you as bound for a breakout season and and really establishing themselves as a long-term key piece to the roster? That's a good question. I would say that I think we're I think the obvious answer would be Ed Oliver because it's something that a lot of people have talked about this summer and they're expecting him to have a breakout season. But I'm thinking 
Tremaine Edmonds. And I know that's probably crazy to say because, like, he's already been to two Pro Bowls. Obviously, he's a very accomplished player, and a lot of people think that he's very good. I tend to think he's very good also, but last year was inconsistent. I think he started last year slow, and as the year went along, he got better. And sometimes we forget he's still 23 years old, and he's entering his fourth season in the NFL. So I think this is a huge year for him. I think that this is a year where he's going to make himself some money, and he's going to be a part of the Bills for the long-term future. You know, obviously they extended his fifth-year option, and the plans are to keep him around, but he's going to get paid pretty big. And I think if he has a strong season this year, he's going to, he's going to justify that payday. And I think in this defense, with the improved pass rush, with the strong play in the secondary behind him, this could be a year where Tremaine Edmonds becomes, you know, a legitimate top 10 interior linebacker in the NFL. So with all this and with the hype leading up to tomorrow's opener and looking at the entire schedule for the Bills going into this season, how do you think things play out for the Bills this season, Matt? What do you think the record is? Do you think they are playoff bound, Super Bowl bound? What are your prevailing thoughts heading into this overall season? I think they're going to be very good, like very, very good. And I, you know, I toy, I go back and forth here because I'm somebody who grew up in Western New York, so I've seen the Bills disappoint so many times in years past. And you always kind of have that thing in the back of your head where it's like, oh, goodness gracious, like, are they going to disappoint? Are they going to come back down to reality? But when you look at it from a strictly football standpoint with the players on the roster, with the coaching staff that they have in place and the continuity that they were able to bring from last year into this year, I think they're a better team now than they were six months ago based off of the additions that they've had. I think they're a 12 or 13 win team. I don't think they're quite good enough to have the number one seed in the AFC, but I think they're going to be one of the top seeds in the AFC. And I think that they absolutely have a chance to win a Super Bowl. I don't think that I would say the Bills are going to win a Super Bowl, but if they do, it's not going to surprise me. And it probably shouldn't surprise anybody because that's how good they are. And at the end of the day, it ultimately comes down to the quarterback. And I firmly believe that Josh Allen is now a rock solid top five quarterback in the NFL who still has room to grow. He's got an offense that's the same with a coordinator who should have been a head coach coming back for one more season with an even better group of weapons around him because I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to be an upgrade over John Brown, or at least the John Brown we saw last season. If they stay healthy, I fully expect the Bills to be playing in you know, the AFC Championship game with once again a shot at going to the Super Bowl, and I would never count them out against any. They can beat any team in the NFL. That doesn't mean they're going to beat every team, obviously, but they can beat any team in this league. Well, Matt, uh, hockey season's also around the corner. Have any thoughts on the Sabres early uh, on with uh, with training camp opening up in about a week and a half? You know what? I'm, like, cautiously optimistic that they're not going to be the worst team in the NHL, <laughs> which is a lot different than what I would have told you, like, three months ago. Yeah. I do like that they brought back Don Granado. I like some of the contracts that they've signed, especially with, you know, Middlestat and with Yoki Haru. I'm still waiting to see what they're going to do with Dalin. I want to know how they're going to figure out that contract. And obviously everybody wants to know what's going to happen with Jack Eichel, and I'm still really right. curious about that. It's funny, I was playing cards with some of my friends last night, and somebody asked me about Jack Eichel. And I haven't even really thought about it for a couple of weeks, and just because I've been in such football mode. It, like, caught me off guard. I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, Jack Eichel's still on the Sabres. Like, they haven't figured that out yet. So I do think that they're going to show promise. I think if they can play a brand of hockey like we saw down the stretch last year with Granado over a full season, 
they're going to be, you know, somewhat fun to watch. They're not going to make the playoffs or anything like that, but they'll at least be a fun team to watch that isn't just sitting there in misery. And they'll be promised, you know. I think that the pipeline looks a lot better than it did a couple, you know, a couple months ago. Obviously, when you get the first overall pick, that helps a lot. I have no issue whatsoever with Owen Power going back to Michigan. I think that was the right thing. You know, I think that they're going to be – I like that they've realized what they are and they're not trying to put a Band-Aid on this and put together a team that's maybe good enough to be the eighth team into the playoffs. Like, they're not good enough for that. Start all over, and I know people don't want to hear that because we've been sitting here watching the worst team in the NHL for a decade now, right. basically. But being self-aware is very important. And yeah. I like that they are self-aware right now. At least it feels like that. And it seems like they know what they want to be. And now they are on the path to try and get there. And obviously the big domino is Jack Eichel, and we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it's just hard for me to look at this roster and, and really have any other thought than just, I don't know how this team is, is much better than they what they were last year. Of course, you know, the, oh, the yeah. start of last season was a terrible one. I mean, the 28-game the yeah. start under Ralph Kruger was... Um, arguably, maybe the worst stretch of hockey we've seen in the entire ten-year existence, you know, of this playoff drought, or even in the history of the Sabers, for that matter. But uh, you know, still, even with the twenty-eight game turnaround that they had under Don Granato, which you know, record-wise, wasn't necessarily great. Maybe on the ice, it was yeah. better. It's still really hard to kind of look at everything else that's happened around the NHL and looking at the Sabers and think that. Man, I mean, how can they climb out of the basement this year? I mean, it might take them another year or maybe even two uh, where, hey, you know what? You look at the draft classes and both the next two draft classes are going to be really good with some really good premier players at the top. Yeah, nobody should be talking about like, yeah, it's funny because like I was going to say, nobody should really be talking about any like lofty expectations for the team this no, year. And I know no. that's like, I know that's so hard to hear. And at the same but, point, you shouldn't be talking about the team tanking either. They're not going to willingly just, you know, fall apart in a season and lose. Like, you know, no, arguably not, they did years ago when they were trying to get Eichel or, or McDavid. Yeah, exactly. They're not constructed to purposefully lose games. They're constructed be, to be a team that is young with you know players who they want to see grow. And if they don't, then they can cut bait with them and they can figure out ultimately what they are. But like you said, next year you should have you know in their line. It's crazy that we're talking about next year before this year has even started. <laughs> but you know you should have an even better version of Rasmus Dahlin. I like Yoki Haru's game, mm-hmm. and you'll have Owen Power. So you've got three solid defenseman and then maybe I don't know Jack Quinn is an okay player by then who can contribute maybe JJ Paterka is somebody who's in the lineup by then maybe you know there's just so many like there's so many guys who are kind of in like this middle tier and ultimately what the Sabres need to do is they need to get the most assets that they possibly can for Jack Eichel and hope that one of those turns into like a premier top line player because I don't think Dylan Cousins is that yet I think Dylan Cousins may be down the road could be like a good, consistent two-way first-line center. He's not there yet, but that's your core of your team is Cousins, the defenseman that you already have in your pipeline, and you hope that like Casey Middlestat is a good NHL player as opposed to what some people thought he was a couple months ago, which was a bust. So, <laughs> I mean, like, like I said, I'm happy that they're being self-aware and they're not trying to put a Band-Aid on this. I'm cool with them tearing it all down and keeping the young core together and going from there. They just they can't just rush into a Jack Eichel trade, and clearly they haven't at this point. And I, I commend them on that. Yeah, I'm glad that they haven't just traded Jack Eichel to get him, you know, get him somewhere else, and just to appease that camp. 
Like he's a very valuable asset here, and they need to make sure that they're not getting burned on a trade. And even though his stock may be as low as it is, it is as low as it's ever been right now with all the things that are going on, he is still a top 10 center in the NHL who's young, who has upside, and they should be able to get a really good draft pick, a really high-end prospect, and in my mind, a couple other pieces, and anything less would be a failure by them. I agree. Well, Matt, I know we could talk Sabres forever, but I'm running out of time, so I've, I've got to let you go. So thanks again for taking the time today. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Enjoy tomorrow especially, and we'll talk again down the road here to talk more Bills and Sabres. Thanks, Brayton. Thanks for having me. Have a great weekend. You as well there, Matt. Matt Bovey from WKBW-TV here in Buffalo on the Western Hotline. Uh, we'll take a break here. We'll come back, wrap up hour number two. Hour number three coming up, Andy Lindbergh from 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh to talk the Steelers, and then Nate Gary joining me at 1.30 to talk of some Bills football. That's all coming up here. More to come on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. The C app today to listen to WGR Sports Radio 550. Brought to you by Geico, local office West Seneca. My thanks again to Matt Bovey joining me here last segment on WGR. And if, at the end of the segment, we talked a little Sabres hockey because uh, the Sabres are reporting to training camp on Wednesday, the 22nd of September. And uh, hockey season is all of a sudden right around the corner here. We thought Bill season was uh, was here and upon us. Sabres season is going to be here and upon us once again in a matter of uh, mere moments, really, for that matter. But uh, a reminder, a programming reminder for next weekend, uh, we are going to be covering the Sabres Prospects Challenge here on WGR. Sabres rookies report to training camp on Wednesday, this upcoming Wednesday, and then on Friday, they play in Game 1 of the Sabres Prospects Challenge at 7 o'clock. We'll have coverage here on WGR. Brian Cozio, Paul Hamilton, and myself will be on the coverage for the Sabres Prospects Challenge on Friday night. Then on Saturday afternoon, actually right after Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR, starting at 2 o'clock, we'll have coverage of Game 2 for the Sabres in the Sabres Prospects Challenge as they will play at 3 o'clock for a 3 o'clock face-off. I believe all the games are going to be played at Harbor Center, but at 2 o'clock, uh, myself Brian and Paul will be having a Sabres roundtable. We'll be talking about some of the main topics heading into the upcoming season and uh, and and talking a little bit about uh, just how good could the Sabres team be realistically heading into the season and, and much more. So uh, just mark that down in your calendars that next weekend on top of uh, talking Bills coverage with the Bills going to Miami to take on the Dolphins, we'll also be talking some Sabres hockey as the Sabres Prospects Challenge will take place next weekend. One more hour to go here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary this week. Nate will be expected to join us at 1.30 this afternoon but coming up next we're going to go to Pittsburgh and get some thoughts on the Steelers and Lindbergh from 93.7 The Fan will join us next here. Get some thoughts on the Steelers from a perspective down in Pennsylvania. That's up coming up next. One hour to go on Sports Talk Saturday. Brayton Wilson here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.